From the Sweetwater Worship Community, this is the podcast. I'm Marvin Bland. Hi, everybody, and welcome again to the podcast. And at the start of any year, uh, there's always some concern about our finances. And today on the podcast, we have someone who can talk about financing from a a really practical uh, standpoint. And it is a friend of mine from childhood, Phyllis Tough Hightower. Phyllis Tough Hightower, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Pastor Marvin. I appreciate this opportunity and I appreciate uh, you allowing your audience to share my new book. So your new book is called 10 Keys to Avoid Debt, The Devil's Evil Borrowing Trap. And it has a provocative title. And before we get into the title, I want to do what I always do if I guess is to do a little bit of an origin story. And the neat thing about this origin story with Phyllis is that Phyllis and I kind of grew up together. Phyllis's brother, Leander, was one of my great friends growing up. And so uh, we grew up in the same hometown and everything. And I'm going to shut up for a second and just ask you about that hometown, that place that you grew up in. Well, uh, you and I both grew up in small town America, <laughs> in small town Georgia, uh, Gray, Georgia. And um, growing up in Gray was, um, to me as a child, I felt like it was growing up in the country. Now, while we were in the city center of, of our town, for me, it felt like growing up in this small town um, that was dirt roads, playing, you know, in the yard, um, climbing trees. I was very much a tomboy uh, growing up. Yeah, everybody, everybody knowing everyone else. Yes, everybody knowing everybody. It was, there was no parts of our town that didn't seem to know each other and our families were very connected um, and, and it was truly a village uh, growing up in, in Gray um, because if something happened on one side of town, you know, everybody knew about it and our parents were um, very informed about all the things that were going on and if if one child did something, um, it's as if every parent was the parent of that child. Um, so that's what it felt like for me growing up in, in gray and um, feeling very much connected to the community that I grew up in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a great place to uh, grow up and very lots of memories from growing up there. And, and, and this book that you've written, uh, 10 Keys to Avoid Debt, The Devil's Borrowing Trap. Let's talk 
in general, why did you write the book? And then specifically, I want to I want to dovetail that to our time in Great Georgia. Uh, so why did you write the book? Well, I wrote the book um, because I I had ministered at a church uh, on an occasion, and my sermon topic was the devil's evil borrowing trap, uh, and it was surrounding finances and debt. And the acronym really came from within. I had never heard anybody say that or use that acronym to describe debt. And years later, um, it just came to me that that should be a bigger project, that that should be a bigger message. And it was from that sermon that I um, was inspired to write the book and I had created the um, book uh, topics and um, chapters and set it aside and one day uh, I woke up and said it's time it's time to make this uh, more than just something that I've stored in in, in a, a folder. And so I moved forward with that. And, and that's where the, the book topic itself um, came from. Wow, that is that is fantastic. And, and the book kind of starts off talking about uh, a, a story that I can relate to that uh, that you talk about that kind of happened, I believe in Great Georgia, and I think I know exactly the store that you're talking about. And this involves a Cinderella watch that you saw as a young child. Yeah, and and I'm sure you do know the store. Uh, let me uh, guess. Let me let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. I think it's Great Drug Store. Absolutely, that was the store. And one day I was in the store and I saw the Cinderella watch. And I really wanted it. I mean, this is a eight or nine year old uh, child looking at a watch in a store. And this was something that I really, really wanted, but didn't really know how, you know, I could afford that. And um, somewhere in that process, I discovered that I had saved a lots of pennies uh, in my patent leather pocketbook back in the day when we would uh, have Easter, you know, that was the thing. You know, our parents, we got patent leather shoes and a patent leather pocketbook. And so I had saved lots of pennies in that pocketbook and discovered uh, after counting my pennies that I had enough, almost enough to, to buy that, that watch and was then inspired to continue saving pennies um, to get there. And when I did, I was able to purchase that watch. And that was the highlight, uh, one of the highlights of my life <laughs> to Be get that Cinderella watch. Because it taught you this message that you talk about in the book of delayed gratification. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I... It, it, it taught me uh, the lesson of of saving, yes, and and waiting um, to to save for it before you 
dive into the debt. Back then, there was no debt to dive in, though. But being able to to wait for what you want and save for what you want um, was definitely a lesson taught. Wow. And that lesson that you talked about, saving and waiting for uh, for what you want, proved out well for you a little bit later on when you were, I believe, in college and you, or, or as a late teenager and you were able to acquire a car. Absolutely. I was um, in college and I had a relative that uh, sold cars and I had saved uh, $1,000. And of course, I learned a lot of lessons in that situation, too. Uh, because that relative said, well, how much do you have saved? And I said, $1,000. He said, that's how much the car is. And so um, I learned that, again, because I had saved, I was able to purchase my first vehicle cash. And that particular car uh, went with me through college and even into um, my early adult life, um, that was an absolute um, awesome experience for me to be able to purchase a car as a college student. Oh, and yeah. Not, yeah. And not have to um, worry about asking my parents to help me with that, with that, which was a big deal. So, and, and let's talk about your parents because you dedicated the book to them and uh, knowing your parents, I can certainly understand how they gave you this foundation of not only Christian faith, but also this foundation with you, with your faith of being, uh, being a good steward of your money. Yeah, my parents, to me, you know, they were, of course, the best parents in the world. Um, however, I don't think that many of us appreciate the people who raised us, our parents, and until we're older and have some experiences of our own. Um, but they they set the foundation uh, for all of their children to, you know, get an education. Um, you know, they wanted us to go higher than they were able to go. Um, they were, you know, folks with strong faith. You know, my dad was a pastor. He pastored a church for 30 plus years. And, and that is the Reverend Cornelius Tuff? Yes. And my mother, um, she was actively engaged in the church, uh, a supportive wife in ministry. And she was a very strong spiritually strong person. And that's Mrs. Um, Annie Maytuffs. Correct. Yes. And I can remember visiting uh, Leander, your late brother, uh, and, 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 and your parents being around. And I, I always had the most uh, highest regard for your parents. Uh, your father was one of the first entrepreneurs that I knew in terms of some of the things that he did, starting the funeral home and some of his other ventures and also being involved in city politics. He was just a man that I, I really looked up to in terms of how he, he, he charted his own path. Yeah, absolutely. 
uh, I think my dad's entrepreneurial spirit is is part of you know it's is part of what drove me and drives me even now. Um, he he had so many business ventures going on when I was growing up. It was always something that he was involved in. He was selling something. He was establishing something. Um, and yes, he owned a funeral home. Uh, and to know that my dad had a third grade education. Um, and when he was in his 60s, he went back to get his GED. But the things that he had accomplished uh, were pretty awesome for um, a man of his education. Um, and, and, and I was, you know, really proud of my dad, you know, um, but like a lot of folks, you don't appreciate fully the, the, the caliber of your parents until you have grown up and looked back at the awesome things that they did, because you recognize sometimes that to accomplish what what they accomplished was was huge. Um, given their their education, given the time that they were accomplishing this, um, in the know, gym in the Jim Crow South, yes, absolutely, absolutely. When when opportunities were so rare uh, in that in that arena, so just appreciating my parents for what they did and what they accomplished. Um, they, they set the bar pretty high. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I will tell you, um, uh, I always had the highest regard for your parents, even as a young child, because I, I, I think I realized again, the, the, the cloth that your father and mother were made of and the, the path that they uh, took. Now, specifically about the book and, and, and these chapters that you lay out in the book are really the, 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 uh, the 10 keys to avoid debt. And before we get into avoiding debt, what's your definition of debt? Well, um, and I, I definitely start out the book by um, talking about that. Uh, and for me, I use the analogy of a uh, prison sentence that when people get into debt, it's similar to a prison sentence. And, and the analogy um, definitely came to me after working for 16 years um, at the Department of Juvenile Justice and watching young people, you know, get sentenced to uh, up to five years in, in, in the juvenile justice system and thinking about that in terms of when you have debt that you are subject to have to pay for for long periods of time, it, it's kind of like a prison sentence. You can't move forward. You can't get out of it until you have paid for it. So, um, you know, just, just owing people uh, in a way that you aren't able to settle that financial responsibility, except that you have long-term payments. Uh, is there any good debt? Absolutely. Uh, there is good debt and bad debt. The good debt are 
examples of that would be a mortgage. Um, people who buy homes and they are able to uh, pay the mortgage on a regular basis without uh, falling short. Um, and that is definitely considered a good debt. Um, and they aren't um, over their heads with the responsibility of paying that mortgage payment. Um, you know, getting student loans for um, an education that is going to be beneficial to you down the road, um, that's good debt. And there's some, some downsides to both of those uh, scenarios. Though. Today's devotional, putting real prayer in the phrase thoughts and prayers. We all watched in horror as Buffalo Bill Safety the Law Hamlet went into cardiac arrest following a routine tackle. A life-threatened injury, the reaction of the players, the unprecedented canceling of the game, all captured on Monday Night Football, resonated with the nation. The phrase thoughts and prayers is a trendy term used during times of natural trauma. We say it when there is a natural disaster. We say it when there is an accident. And we especially see it when there is a mass shooting. Yes, we say the phrase thoughts and prayers. Though thoughts may happen, but how often do prayers really happen? Former NFL quarterback, now ESPN football analyst Dan Orlowski, put the prayer part of the phrase in action praying for DeMar Hamlin on live TV during an episode of the popular show NFL Live. James chapter 5 verse 16 tells us the effective fervent prayer of the righteous person has great impact. We've seen the impact of prayer as the nation has been healed from the impact of the shock from witnessing the play where DeMar was injured. We have seen the impact of prayer that inspired the Buffalo Bills to return the opening kickoff for a touchdown in their first game since DeMar's injury. And we have seen the impact of prayer in DeMar's remarkable recovery. All this and more will happen when we put real prayer in the phrase thoughts and prayers. Well, I'm here talking to Phyllis Tuff Hightower, who is the author of the new book, 10 Keys to Avoid Debt, The Devil's Borrowing Trap. And Phyllis, let me ask you about the, the title of one of your uh, provocative chapters, I believe, but a, a title that I agree with, How the Prosperity Gospel Left God's People in Debt. Oh, yeah, that was a chapter that that was very important for me to include in this uh, book. First, because, first, yeah, define for me what you believe is the prosperity gospel. Well, there was a time um, a few years ago where a lot of 
preachers were considered prosperity preachers where the only thing they talked about was how to get rich, how to, you know, be financially blessed. And while there's nothing wrong with being financially blessed, there was an oversaturation, in my opinion, of the, in, in, in the, um, in the in, in ministry for a while where people were chasing after things uh, more than they were focused on uh, the God of the things. And um, that was definitely something that had been an area that I felt people should become more consciously aware of that. And this chasing after things got people in debt. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I heard many stories of people buying homes that they could not afford for the sake of, I'm doing it by faith. You know, buying cars that they couldn't afford because they were trying to fulfill this prosperity message that um, was really leading a lot of people astray and especially in the area of their finances. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, because I think prosperity without discernment can lead us into debt. Absolutely. God does not want us to live above our means and we have means so that we can make that discernment of what what, what do we give to God? What do we use to, to live on? How do we put something aside for, for, for future? That's faith. And that's having faith in God that God is going to provide for us. But at the same time, that God has given us a brain so that we should not be reckless about the things that God is giving us stewardship over. Absolutely. That, that area of people, um, you know, unfortunately, there were pastors and ministers who would, you know, appeal to the groups of people or congregation and say, if you bring me uh, a certain amount of money, then you were going to be blessed with even more money. Um, and people were being deceived in a lot of ways. I, I acknowledge that, you know, there's hope in believing for greater and believing for more. And that's that's okay. That's part of having faith in the God that we serve. But it was in a lot of ways disguised um, by some um, in, in ministry who were giving people false hope that, you know, if they threw a little money at God, uh, then God would throw a lot of money at them. And um, a lot of people were deceived by that and became discouraged because they came to church with this concept that, you know, the prosperity preacher is here. I'm going to sow a certain amount uh, while I'm here and God is going to bless me with this great amount and not fully understanding what it means to sow seed in the kingdom and understand that, you know, when you plant a seed, it's a growing process that's involved. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about uh, breaking the family debt curse. 
Do you believe that debt is a curse on a family? Well, well in, in in a lot of ways, it, it, it can be, and it has been um, in that when a fam the dynamics of a family, uh, when, you know, parents have taught their children to borrow for everything that's unimportant and the things that are important, they, they don't take care of. And um, the message of um, buy now, uh, worry about it later, or, you know, those types of, of, of family dynamics create somewhat of a curse for the family. Uh, I'm not saying that there's this curse on them that they can't get out of or some spiritual curse, but in a lot of ways, it, it's a curse that affects the family and it can affect them generationally because if someone in the, the household doesn't stop to, to teach the family members that there is a way to be financially secure and financially successful if we learn to save, uh, manage our finances better, don't go out buying things that you cannot afford, uh, and teach those family dynamics uh, to the children, then this family curse continues. Yeah, um, you, yeah, yeah. You, you talk about it in the book about letting your child, modeling your child with some good behavior, like putting money in a church envelope. Uh, mm -hmm. How does that, how's that a modeling of good behavior? I don't disagree with it. I'm just asking. Well, the idea of, um, was it, it, were you speaking of the tithe or just the saving process? Well, in, in the book, I believe you talk about letting, and I'm going to read exactly your quote here. Uh, you say, let your child catch you modeling good behavior, such as putting money in a church envelope, opening a savings account, or sponsoring a child in another country. They will learn to see these activities as right and joyful. The child who follows God's laws when it comes to their money will reap an impressive harvest as long as they don't give up. Right. And so being that, you know, for some churches, they, before they give their offerings and that kind of thing, they put the money in an envelope. And that's a way of demonstrating and modeling to the child that, you know, we give offerings or we give tithes and they see it see the parent doing it and they you know have the opportunity to experience that themselves and um so it's a it's a modeling behavior um and it's it's something that i taught you know my child as she was growing up that she saw uh me as a parent put money in an envelope and put an offering in an envelope and understand that for for me, it was important for me to sow or to give an offering uh, to the Lord. And that was part of the modeling that I was speaking of. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Now, if, if that is not part of my tradition, that's something I don't know how to do. I've never done that as a parent. 
How okay. can I how can I break my own habits to be, because you know, I'm I'm a parent and I'm I'm trying to make it and and uh, I've got all these bills and how, how can I show my kids the right way to handle money when maybe I don't know the right way to handle money? Well, that, to me, that's the the positive thing about this book. It it doesn't matter if if you're at that point where you you don't know how to model, you don't know how to handle money. This book is a great uh, framework for any parent that is in that situation that that wants to break that debt cycle, uh, that wants to be a good steward, that you know they 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 want to come out of this this cycle of living in debt, and and that. That's part of the, to me, the, the wonderful aspect of this book, that it's for that person so that they can start somewhere. And even if, you know, they're not there, they can use this book as a model. Because the thing I love about it is it's practical. And that's what I, uh, I definitely tell people. It, it's practical keys um, to, to avoid debt. And so anybody in that situation, Pastor Marvin, uh, can definitely uh, use this book as a roadmap uh, to, to better themselves in that area. Amen. So tell us how we can find this wonderful book, 10 Keys to Avoid Debt, The Devil's Evil Borrowing Trap by Phyllis Tuff Hightower. How can we find this book? Well, this book is available on Amazon.com. It's available on BarnesandNobles.com. It's available on the Author House uh, website, which is the publisher of the book. And it's, it's really available on a lot of online um, um, store options. And um, those are some of the places that that it, it, it's available. Absolutely. Um, you can find it as, uh, as Phyllis says on Amazon, uh, and, uh, it's in the Kindle bookstore too. So you can find it and just download it right to your device. Uh, so you can uh, have it, uh, fairly immediately if you're listening to this podcast right now, but we, uh, Phyllis Tuff Hightower, the author of 10 keys to avoid debt, uh, the devil's borrowing trap, Thank you so much for being with us today here on the podcast. Well, thank you so much again, Pastor Marvin, for inviting me to your podcast and um, giving me this platform is, is pretty awesome to me. So I appreciate it and I'm truly grateful. Podcast is a production of To The Point Theological Media in association with the Sweetwater Worship Community. The great team that produces podcasts includes Annie Ingram, Chandler Bland, and Erica Bland. Mel Bland is our executive producer with help from Cheryl Bland, Maurice Bland, and Vita Bland. MarvinBland.com is your home for content from the Sweetwater Online Worship Community. There you will find sermons, blogs, training classes, and a whole lot more. I hope that you will check it out. 
I'm Marvin Bland, a leader with the Sweetwater Online Worship Community. And until the next time we upload, blessings, peace, and love.